It's a privilege and an honor to be able to get up here and speak to you. Uh, do it a few times a year, and I always uh, enjoy it. Um, as I was preparing for this uh, sermon, um, yeah, I took some twists and turns, and I ended up felt like very appropriate to just kind of talk about uh, the role of a father. It's Father's Day. Let's talk about the role of a father. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think, um, you know, before I start, you know, the fathers take on a lot of different forms. Not, not everybody that is uh, fathers a child is a father. There's those that step into the fray and take on that role, um, whether it's a stepdad, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a grandparent. There's a lot of men who... Um, see a need and they step into that need where it is and so I think you know keep that in mind as I'm going through this morning what the role of a father is it's not just that guy who's fathered a child did you know that the US has the world's highest rate of children living in a single household higher than any other nation almost one quarter of children under 18 live with only one parent that's three times the number of other undeveloped countries, three times. In 1970, about 8 million uh, children lived in a single-parent home. In 1980, that number increased to 12 million. By 1990, that, million, that number was 15 million. And from 2000 until present, the number of children living in a single-parent home has been at 19 million. That's a tragedy. Divorce rates in the US have continually climbed. People are choosing to live together rather than get married, and that is on the increase. They don't see the value of marriage anymore. Increasingly, the role of fathers in their children's lives is marginalized and being cast as unimportant. This is part in, due to a lack of engagement in fathers in their children's lives. And it's often that fathers are that in name only and are not present, but rather leave this to their mother. As a society, we are seeing more and more corruption, loose scruples, a lack of accountability and responsibility in individual lives. I cannot help but think this is in large part due to the lack of a strong family unit and the role of a father. President Obama then Senator, had this to say about fatherhood. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are reminded today that family is the most important. And we are called to recognize and honor how critical each father is to that foundation. They are teachers and coaches. They are mentors and role models. They are examples of success and men who constantly push us toward it. But if we are honest with ourselves, we'll admit that way too many fathers also are missing, missing from too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibilities, acting like boys instead of men, and the foundations of our families are weaker because of it. I thought that those words were very, very true. The family is one of the most important foundations which we build our lives upon, and fathers and mothers play a crucial role in this. God set up the family to begin with. He's the one who established it. And when we follow God's pr 
precedent of how to have a family, the role of a mother, the role of a father, when we follow that, it works perfectly. There's always stumbling blocks. There's always things that come up. But if we keep that family unit tight and we understand that each has a role, things are much better. So on this Father's Day, we're going to look at the role of a Christian father and what our responsibilities are in our family and our children's lives. So a father is much more than the second half of making a baby. We play a very important and critical role in the lives of our children and our family. This role can be broader than our immediate family. There are children who do not have stable homes. They have absent fathers. They have been in and out of foster care and have been tossed by the wayside. We as Christian fathers can also play a role in their lives and hopefully have a positive influence. So let's look at a few areas where we as fathers have a role and a responsibility and a duty to fulfill. I have seven different areas we're going to look at. <clears throat> so the first, a father is a provider. So if you would, open up your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 25, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and t tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pa pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need of them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So our Heavenly Father takes care of us well. He provides for our needs. So as a provider, a father should take care of his family. Our God takes care of us. We should be sure we are fulfilling our role and providing for the needs of our family. So there's obvious ones that we should take care of, right? Food, shelter, clothing. Financially, we should be providing funds to get the necessities and sometimes the nice-to-haves or wants. We, you know, we identify the resources of family needs and work hard to make those available to them. But the less obvious and more important are, are we providing a stable home? Do we have a good relationship with our spouse? And if our spouse is absent, are we still providing that stable home for our children? Do we love them? Do we support them? Are we providing for their needs? Not only from the financial and food and shelter, but are we taking care of their spiritual needs? Are we providing ready access to God's word? 
And are we striving to understand what God has made available so he can better equip us to provide for our family? It's really incumbent upon us as fathers to dig into the word. Don't leave that to the Sunday school teacher. Don't leave that to the mother. That's our role as well as a father. We are the spiritual head of our home. So as a father, we need to be a provider. Secondly, a father is an example. If you would turn to John chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. John chapter 3, 12 through 17. And this is Jesus, speaking of Jesus. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent he nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus was teaching his disciples about the importance of servitude and taking care of others, and he was setting an example for them. When your children see what is your children see what's what you reflect. We are are we emulating Jesus? What are what are what do our kids see when they look at us? They should be seeing Jesus. How are we conducting ourselves? Is it with honesty and integrity? Do they see us standing up for the things that are right? Do they see us demonstrating the love of God? Or do they see us uh, getting caught up in lies and deceitfulness? Do they see us getting caught up in worldly things? What do our children see when they look at us? Our children are watching us, and they see what we do. The example we set provides the mold that will shape them as they grow. So, do they see care and compassion for others, or intolerance and harshness? Do our kids see us treating others the way we also wish to be treated? Or do they see us doing the opposite? How do they see us treating our wives? Is it with love and respect, building relationship of meaningfulness, or do they see abuse and disrespect, yelling and screaming? Do they see good work ethic and someone who provides for their family? Are we working so much that we don't take time for our family? Or worse yet, are we being lazy and not working enough to provide for the basic needs and expect others to provide for us? We should set an example of what it means to be Christ-like. This should permeate our lives and is one of the most important roles we have as fathers. Our children are watching. They should see us setting a good example and seeing us serve others the same way Christ did. So a father should provide stability. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's pretty stable. That's unchanging. 
And if you would then look at Numbers chapter 23, all the way to the other side of the book. Numbers 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God doesn't lie. He's stable. If he says it in one place, he's going to say it the same in another place. If he does it for one person, he'll do it for another. He's completely stable and unchanging. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. A couple pages to the right. Deuteronomy 32, and we'll start and we'll look at verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteousness and upright is he. Our God is a rock. That's pretty awesome. He's our heavenly father. He's very stable. He's unchanging. God is a sure foundation and stable in all of his ways. He provides us with many examples throughout the word where he has taken care of his people. And he's always, always reliable, no matter what. This world is full of change and uncertainty. All you have to do is look around and you see it. There are so many things that we place our trust in as people that always fail. We place our trust in governments, thinking that they're going to provide for us, and they don't. Politicians lie. They may have good intentions, but they always fall short. We put people, we put pastors, we put individuals in our lives up on pedestals. And then when they let us down, we think we lose a little bit of that trust. We lose, lose a little bit of that faith in humanity. But the truth is we shouldn't be placing our trust in, in men. We should be placing our trust in God, who is the only thing that is stable and unchanging and unwavering. No matter what the system is, no matter who the individual is in this world, it will at some point let you down. So where is our trust and where is our faith placed? As a man, I can never be as stable as our God, but I can endeavor to do so. I can endeavor to do my best. Children of all ages need stability in their lives. Even me, I need stability, and I look to my dad for some of that. We look to examples for that stability. It doesn't matter our age. Stability provides children with a place of refuge. It allows them to take risks, to grow on their, on, and take on new challenges, knowing that they have a strong foundation and support to fall back on. As a father, I have a duty to help provide this to my family. Am I stable? Do I make good decisions? Hopefully most of the time. Have I placed my family at risk due to my decisions or actions? What am I doing as a man to provide stability for my home, for my family? Providing stability for my children and family demonstrates that while the world is full of uncertainty, there are areas and things that, I, that can be done and should be stable. I also have a moral obligation to teach them about our God and about his son, Jesus Christ, the things that will be the most stable in their lives if they understand it, if I can teach it to them. Totally reliable 
and unwavering is Jesus Christ. While I cannot come close to this as a father, I can certainly provide a stable home and set a good example. A father is a protector. Please, if you would, turn to Psalms 91. Psalms chapter 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings shall take shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my ref, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge of you to keep you in all your ways. In his hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall, tra- you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call me, she, he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a wonderful passage that is that demonstrates how God is our protector and provider. I love the illustration of the wing. He puts us under his wing. If you've ever been around like chickens or up in the up in the mountains and seen quail, if there's any danger and they got a little brood of little chicks, the mother puts the wings up and they come underneath and it protects them. And that's their shelter. It's just kind of a cool way of explaining and understanding that. Look at Isaiah chapter 41. We're going to look at two verses there. Isaiah, again to the right. These are two of my favorite verses. Isaiah 41 and verse 10, and then we'll look at 13. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then verse 13. For I, the Lord... Your God will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. These are wonderful illustrations of how God takes care of us and protects us. And when we have fear, we can turn to God. I love, love, love 13, especially as a dad, because with both uh, Morgan and McKenna, and McKenna still does it, you'd be walking... And when you have a young child, the thing that they do is they reach up and take your hand when they're uncertain. 
when they need you know that little assurance that mom or dad is there and as a dad it's just one of the most treasured things I just love it you know and I just know that you know when McKenna reaches up and takes my hand it's not because she feels an obligation it's because she's looking for that assuredness that you know that pause there you know and it's just so enduring and so tender and you know I remember when the kids were learning to walk you would hold their hand you know and how many times did they stumble and you you'd pick you'd, you'd hold their hand and you'd keep them on their feet that's our God God does that for us all the time there's so many times that we make the wrong turn that we make a wrong decision that we stumble and we almost fall but God is right there and he's saying I have you I got you it's something good to keep in our mind so how can I take some of these examples that are in God's word and how can I apply them to my life and and as a father as a father I have a duty to protect my children to teach them to not be afraid but to trust and rely on Jesus Christ I have an obligation to be mentally strong and physically capable of protecting my family. They should be able to depend on me. So what have I done in order to provide this protection? Do I spend enough time in the scriptures? Do I have a relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ? If I don't have one that's strong enough, I need to work on that. And by the way, any meaningful relationship isn't a one and done relationships take time and if you're going to have a meaningful relationship it means you're going to invest that time into that individual into that thing into having a relationship with God it's not something we come to Sunday's church or spend a couple minutes throughout the week it's something meaningful any relationship in our lives that has meaning takes time to invest in you know in leadership, there's a, you know, it, it's often talked about, if you're going to lead people, you have to have trust. If you're going to have trust, you have to build a relationship. If you're going to have a relationship, you have to spend time. All those things work together. So if we're going to lead others, we have to have their trust. If we're going to build trust, we have to build a relationship and spend time with that individual. And if we're going to, uh, yeah. So think about that in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with your spouses, with those friends that you have. How are you, how are you using your time? Is it invested properly? Are you actually trying to build a relationship that's going to have meaning and purpose? Do I spend enough time in prayer and seek guidance and wisdom from God? I have a heavenly father who has limitless resources. His bank account has no end. There is nothing that he cannot provide for me. There's nothing he can't take care of for my family. If he makes that available for me, he makes it available for every one of you, all of us. How awesome is that? But I need to be spending that time in prayer. I need to be seeking his guidance, his counsel. Do I listen to the Holy Spirit? Is my mind quiet enough that I can hear? Think about that. We today are surrounded with gobs and gobs and gobs of distractions. We carry it around in our pocket every day. 
I get little notifications and it tells me what my screen time has been for the last week. Is it up or is it down? It, last week it was down 39%. <laughs> but think about it. I uh, had an opportunity once to uh, go in the back country on a fishing trip. And I met up with a guy and he, he lives in the wilderness area, has for years and years. And he has a fishing outfitter business. He lives up on the, the Salmon River. And he was ten, I, was, I had the opportunity that, that evening, it was an overnight fishing trip, and that evening we were sitting there talking by the fire, and he was just, you know, I was telling him how much I enjoyed the solitude, how much I enjoyed the quietness and everything. And he relayed to me a story about kids would come up out of the city and they would come up in the, the river and they would be there to work for the summer. And he said it was amazing to him to observe this over the years. He said you would get a whole bunch of kids and they'd come up and they were really excited to be there. He said, uh, you know, maybe you'd have a dozen of them. And he goes, and, you know, pretty soon they were weeding, they were heading back home. You know, two or three would leave, four or five would leave, and then it would be down to just two or three. And over the course of time, he started wondering, well, why is this? And he realized from talking to him that those kids had always had constant stimulus, something feeding them, keeping their mind occupied, and they never had really had that much time to be quiet and to think and to know who they were as an individual. And so what he thought was happening, and I actually thought it made a lot of sense, is these kids got away from the stimulus. There's no phones up there. There's no TV. There's books, and there's your thoughts, and there's those who you uh, talk to. And that's it. And he said that he felt that those kids, when they got quiet in their mind, they didn't like who they were. And they ran back to the distractions. How familiar familiar are you with yourself? Do you even know what your real thoughts are? Or are you constantly taking in stimulus that distracts you from your own thoughts and your own mind? Something to take into consideration. Jesus Christ gave us lots of examples uh, throughout the Gospels where he would slip off alone to go speak to the Heavenly Father, to take time to pray and to work on that relationship. If you've ever been in a crowd of people you know that it's hard to have any quiet time. Um, it's interesting to me, you know, there's been times when I've traveled for work and there's always a group of people around and, you know, you spend the time through the day and you are in meetings, whatever, and then you may have a, like a half hour between the meetings and then everybody wants to get together for dinner. Anyway, by the time the day is through, you had no time for yourself. Our lives can be like that a lot of times. So make sure you're taking time to be, get quiet and to listen so that, you know, be quiet so you can hear. The scripture says the biggest cargoes of life come across still waters. That's really, you think about that. Big ships, they don't come into port when the seas are rough. They come in when the seas are calm. So are you, is your mind calm? As a dad, I need to work on that so that I can be ready to receive the things of the Holy Spirit. And then am I physically taking care of myself? Am I eating healthy? Am I exercising both my mind and my body? Those are important things. If I'm going to be present and ready to be there for my kids, I need to be sure that I'm taking care of myself. 
Is my house in order? Financially, am I putting us into too much debt? Or am I being smart and not being indebted? Am I trying to make sure that I have provisions? When rough times come, do I have enough toilet paper <laughs> that will be all right? Do, is my freezer stocked? Do we have provisions in the house? Rough times come. I mean, this last year has taught us all that rough times come. And how prepared are we? What about just basic little things like maintenance? You're like, how does that have anything to do with fatherhood? It has a lot to do with fatherhood. Is my house taken care of so that it can provide for my family? Those basic needs that I was talking about. Are the vehicles taken care of? Are they all in good operating order so that when my wife needs to get in and go somewhere, she can? Are we taking care of those things? That's our job as a father. All of these are key to being ready to protect my family and fulfill the role of a protector. A father should also be an encourager. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 16. Oh, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. And chapter 11. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I, have, that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then let's look at John chapter 16, John chapter 16 and verse 33. Again to the right. I'm trying to go left to right. Makes it a little easier. John 16, 33, and this is Jesus speaking. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then lastly, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Again to the right. Hebrews 13. And we'll start in verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So these are some great examples. The Bible's full of these kinds of examples where God encourages us. He's there for us. He upholds us. As fathers, we should ask ourselves, are we encouraging our children or are we tearing them down? Our words and our actions have deep or can have deep and lasting impacts on them. This is something that I think all of us as parents, but as dads also struggle with. How many times did our kids run in and we don't want to make time for them right then? And so we maybe shut them down before they even get a chance to tell us what they're thinking or they have a question for us, or they have an idea. It's a, maybe it's a silly idea, but are we listening? We need to think about that. We need to be patient. 
We need to listen to what they are saying, our children are saying or asking, not to respond, but to understand where they're coming from. Kids have amazing minds and amazing little ideas. We can nurture that so that they grow into uh, you know, young men and women who learn how to think and ask questions and explore ideas or we can squash that because we are too impatient. Let's not be impatient. We should ask them good, open questions, which will encourage them to think and articulate what they are thinking or feeling. Open questions aren't questions that can be answered with a yes or a no or a maybe. Those are questions that actually, ex you know, it, ex it expects thought. It requires more than, uh, you know, a short little answer. So. It's not easy to ask open questions, but it's something we should all practice, and that's in any relationship. And we should look for ways to support and encourage their ideas. We need to believe in them. We need to encourage them and believe in them so that they're bold and they're ready to take on challenges. We should challenge them to get out of their comfort zone and to take some chances. That's what being a kid's about, is exploring and learning and as parents, we can help provide those guardrails, right? So they can, you know, be stable. You know, all these things kind of play in together. In our own lives, we can think of examples where others encouraged us to become better, take chances and grow. And we can also probably think of examples where someone discouraged us, told us it was ridiculous what we were thinking about. They ridiculed our ideas or didn't listen to us. So ask yourself, about the impact of those two responses. Which of those situations led to a better outcome? Was it the one where somebody encouraged you, maybe challenged you, asked you some good questions, and then helped you along the way? Or they ridiculed you, told you that would never work out? I think we know the answer there. I guarantee you when you were encouraged, it had a much more positive impact on you than when you were not. As fathers, we have an amazing opportunity and an obligation to build our children up and to teach them about their Heavenly Father. We need to show them how He encourages us to the best version of ourselves that we can be. That's one of our main duties. A father should also teach. So if you could look, turn to 2 Timothy. So if you're still there in Hebrews, back just a few pages. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's all scripture, not some, not part, but all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So it has value. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, truly equipped for every good work. Truly equipped. I heard a teaching one time from a guy who was a sailor, and he said that truly equipped was a phrase that they would use when they would outfit a ship to be ready for a long voyage. And that meant that every single provision needed for the voyage was put into the ship. And when that was done, they would say it was thoroughly equipped. So you think about if you're going to go on a long voyage, 
You're not going to go down to the Home Depot. You're not going to run down to the supermarket. Everything you need for that voyage needs to be on that ship. And if you take that back to the lands and times of the Bible or up until modern times, you had better be well prepared. God's Word thoroughly equips us to take on the things and challenges of this life and to also equip others. As fathers, we are instructed to teach our children. This is not something we should leave to others to do for us. It's not the job of the public schools, Sunday school teachers, the government, or anyone else. That's our job. We are responsible for making sure our children are taught. So what should we teach them? Well, I just come up with a few that maybe are a good starting list. We need to teach our children right from wrong and good from evil. They should be able to recognize the difference and choose the right and good. We need to teach them how to treat others. The golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, and love thy neighbor as thyself. They should see this in our actions and want to emulate it, that example that I was talking about earlier. We must teach them not to judge others, but to realize that all of us have flaws and imperfections. And if we can learn to see the good in people rather than the negative, how much better are we going to be? How much better will they have uh, at building their relationships with others? This is a real problem in our nation today. There's all these extremes, and we're all, you know, you see it, if you spend any time on social media or you bother to turn on the news, you see this happening everywhere. We have a great opportunity as, as fathers and as parents to usurp this, to change this course. We must teach them how to think and ask good questions and learn from their mistakes. Man, learning how to think is really critical. Too often, people are looking for the easy button. There are no easy buttons. <laughs> I saw something, uh, I was sharing it with Karina um, yesterday. We were, we were sitting out and, uh, and, and looking at stuff, and there was a post that I saw, and it was basically that the elevator to success is out of order. You have to take the stairs. <laughs> it requires work. <laughs> so... The good thing about that is you don't have to do it all at once. Take today. Do the right things today. Make good decisions today. Set a good example today. And when you're at the end of the day and you've done it, I got that one. Tomorrow, I just got to take care of today. I don't have to think about the long term. This week, I got to do great things. No, I just need to focus on today. We must teach them how to stand up for what is right, but to do so in a loving yet firm way. We don't need to teach them to take extremes. They need to be able to listen to others, but we need to, we need to teach them how to stand up for what's right. And the way that we do that is to show it. That should be our example to them. We must teach them <clears throat> both how to lead and to follow. Sometimes we need to follow, and sometimes we need to lead. And we need to teach our kids how to do both. And we must teach them to be humble and not proud or egotistical. Teach them how to love. 
Our job as teachers begins when our children are born and doesn't end until we draw our last breath. The role of a teacher is probably one of the most significant roles we play in their lives. We must take this seriously. They're looking to us for instruction. As a father, teach. Most importantly, we must teach them about Jesus Christ and what he did for us and how we can have a personal relationship with him. A father should correct. If you look at, please, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. Kind of back to the middle. Proverbs 3, verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the father, the son in whom he delights. So God corrects us, you know. He corrects his kids. He loves, he loves us, and he corrects us. And he expects that a, a good, it uses the, the saying right here, a father would do the same for a son that he delights in. Look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1. Whoever loves instructions, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I think the King James uses brutish. This is more of the if if Pastor Gary was here, he'd say this is the loose white interpretation. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen verse thirty two. Proverbs fifteen verse thirty two. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And lastly, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, starting in verse 6. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening... God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. I can attest to that. But painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I can think of many examples as we've been raising our kids when they would get off the rails. And whether it was a few swats or the naughty seat or whatever the correction was, they absolutely hated it in the moment. But afterwards, they'd come give us hugs, they would be joyful, and it was amazing what a little correction would do to set them on the right path. Today, far too many children lack correction in their lives. They are allowed to do whatever they want, and this seldom leads to a good outcome. Our prisons are filled with people who most likely lacked basic correction as they were growing up. 
there's another statistic that said that 85% of the prison inmates come from families that did not have a father. 85% of the criminals in the justice system did not have a father in their lives. Children crave boundaries. We as adults crave boundaries. That's why God set them up for us. <clears throat> they would never say that they crave those boundaries, <laughs> but they do. Have you ever seen a child who lacked discipline, unhappy, unruly, disruptive? If you introduce boundaries and correction in love, they will make a turnaround. Think of this. A ship at sea without a rudder or without a captain steering that rudder would quickly be tossed to and fro and sink. But that ship, with the rudder under control of a skilled seaman, will sail through the rough seas and make it on to its destination. It can weather the storms. It can cut through the places where it needs to, the channels. But it takes someone at the helm. Likewise, as fathers, when we correct our children, their paths are set on a better course. They learn to be obedient, to listen, to work hard, and that things worth having require effort and work. There's a caveat to this, though. We cannot provide correction out of anger or, or wrath, but with love and care. As our Heavenly Father deals with us, we have a great example. As fathers, I remember I spoke about spending time in the scripture, building that relationship with God and Jesus Christ. That gives us the example as to how should we be administering correction to our own children. There's many examples in God's word of his mercy and grace. He does not correct out of anger, but out of love. And he wants the best for our lives. This should be the same method and motivation that we should have as fathers when we correct our children. Without providing correction to our children and teaching them about God, how could we ever expect them to listen to God and be obedient to his commandments? There are many examples in God's word of his mercy and grace. He does not correct out of anger, but he corrects out of love, and he wants the best for our lives. So we really should think about that when we're correcting our kids. Use that as the example. So these are just a few examples as our role of a father. And as you can see, our role is very important. And it should not be taken lightly. We have a tremendous responsibility. And what a privilege it is to be entrusted by God to raise our children the way that he would have us to prepare them. And to have a relationship with him. So the next time you hear that fathers are not important, hopefully you will think about these things. Hopefully you may even have the courage to say, well, I, I disagree and I'd like to say, tell you why. Hopefully if you're a father or have someone in your life that, that needs fatherly advice or examples, you'll be prepared to step up. This is needed today just as it was needed since God created man and the first kid was born. It doesn't change. Kids need instruction and that's our job as a father. So... Uh, yeah, I hope that this has blessed you some. Um, let's pray, and then I have something else I'm going to share with you. So, Father, thank you so much for this time that we've been able to spend here together this morning. Father, I pray that as men we take the role of 
and responsibility of fatherhood very seriously. I pray that you help us to be better dads, to be better husbands. Father, thank you so much for the examples that we have in your word that we can turn to and that we can endeavor to understand better how you had intended us to be as fathers. Father, we're sure thankful for those who are in attendance today. We pray that you uh, are with those who could not make it. And Father, we're sure thankful for your love and your guidance. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So before uh, we're dismissed today, I thought I would read to you uh, some popular Father's Day sayings. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. A man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. A truly rich man is one whose children run into his arms when his hands are empty. It doesn't matter who my father was, it matters who I remember he was. It is easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real father. A father is a banker provided by nature. You know fathers just have a way of putting everything together. The greatest gift I ever had came from God. I call him dad. A father carries pictures where his money used to be. Once a father overheard his son pray, Dear God, make me the kind of man my daddy is. Later that night, the father prayed, Dear God, make me the kind of man my son needs. Happy Father's Day. <laughs>